This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sport's longest running football show. It's a Scotland special on today's show. We're talking about nothing but the Scotland men's national team. As we had a pretty good weekend, if you're a Scotland fan. Of course, Stevie Clark's Boys in Blue running out 3-2 winners at Israel in front of a sold-out Hamden. Winner in the last minute, just what a night it was. And we're going to be unpacking it all here today and looking ahead to tomorrow night's match against the Faroe Islands in a, in a must-win game, which means only one thing for Scotland, and that's unnecessary nerves and anticipation. My name is Jack Donnelly, I'm going to be your host for this afternoon's proceedings and of course I'm not alone, I'm never alone on these podcasts because me spewing uh, nonsense about Scotland for an hour would please absolutely no one so I had to bring in these three gents to help me along. We've got two regulars and a bit of new blood for us to bully and make fun of as much as possible but you can thank his football club for that and we'll get onto him just shortly. Uh, we're going to start with the OGs though and of course I'm delighted to be welcomed once again by Mr Graham Sinclair. Graham, how you doing my, my friend? I think I'm still feeling it. I, I wasn't even pissed on Saturday. I'm still feeling it. <laughs> your, da- your dad was? Well, you called well, him old man pissed. Well, he was old man pissed and then he came home and he was just pissed regularly. So. <laughs> Lovely. How how did how did Billy find it? Was it was he was he buzzing? Over the moon. He gets a new lease of life. He's sixty four years old and he's scored a last minute winner and he's jumping about like he's twenty. I tell you, he doesn't look sixty four. I would I would I would have pegged him for under sixty when I first talk, met him. Don't you just like abandon the podcast and talk about how my dad looks? So, do, do that's a pod, that's a podcast. That's a podcast in itself. He, he's got a very firm handshake. He almost broke my hand when I when I met him in that in that queue for the train. It, Central. Oh, he was pissed then too. So that's fine. That's when you told me he was old man pissed. So, <laughs> but we're we're happy to have you and Billy here in spirit as he always is. Uh, Taylor Murray is also here. Taylor, how are you getting on this afternoon, mate? I'm not bad. Pretty good. I um, I'm <laughs> I nearly you know actually blotted out when we were speaking out before the podcast. <laughs> I can't be doing that. Right, uh, the, the, there's there's many things that we'd probably say before we go on air that we'd probably get energy sports shut down as soon as it as soon as it goes to air. So I'm quite glad you never dis- disclosed yeah, no, that. I, I just, I, We're not incriminating ourselves in any way, shape, or form by this at all, are we? It's no, I I just don't want to you know ruin what's going to be coming up later on. I just don't want to you know put the full show out within the first five seconds and go, yep, thank you for listening, goodbye. So, you know, it's a Scotland special. Scotland were special. I'm looking forward to talking about it. You do this, you make everything sound so motivational, Taylor, that's what I appreciate about you. So those are the two voices that you'll be familiar with for any long-term listeners of this show. But this is the thing, we're all getting old. We're all, we're all old and grey at this point, it's our final year of university and I don't like reminding myself or the boys about it. So we've had to start bleeding in some, some new blood into, into energy sport to give it some more life and some longevity. And we've got a boy coming in here for first year, we've got, we've got a genuine child on the on the podcast today. It's uh, Edinburgh Napier's and Heart of Midlothian fan, question mark. Wait, wait, I'm not very happy about it, but Aaron Fraser's here and we're very happy to have him. Aaron, how you doing, mate? I'm good, gents. Just having a song for the first time, hopefully the first of many, although for your ears' sake, you probably don't want that very much, but I'm here <laughs> nonetheless. So cheers for getting a song for our debut. Thank you very much. Not at all, mate. Happy to have you, especially considering our usual our usual uh, 
lot let us down as they as they love to do sean and cameron absolute wasters uh we might as well just get stuck right into it of course no big question no any preamble we're here to talk about one thing and one thing only and that's scotland actually getting a win against israel in 90 minutes which is the first time that's actually happened under steve clark which is progression Maybe we'll get on, we might get on to that a little bit later. But for anyone that's been caught under a rock over the weekend, Scotland ran at 3 2 winners against Israel, the long term rivals, uh, on Saturday night in front of a packed Hamden. And uh, Scott McTominay scored in the 94th minute to seal that win and seal three points in our European World Cup qualification group, putting us second by four points over Israel. And meaning we just need to win our next two games to ensure that we get a playoff for the World Cup in Qatar. I mean, before we got on the game itself, uh, Graham, you were at the game. Aaron, you were at the game. Taylor, you were sat on the couch. I was also so three of the four were at the game. That's not that's not too bad. A, too bad a return. And uh, I suppose before we get on to the match itself, just you, you speak about it. You speak a must-win game, a last-minute winner inside Hamden with 50, over fifty thousand folk in there. Aaron, you can't really knock that atmosphere in any way, shape, or form. There's very few places you would want to be otherwise. Oh yeah, correct. You're totally correct. People always slam Hamden for being um, not atmospheric enough. Personally, I disagree. If you've got enough folk in there and the team's playing well, of course you'll get a bit of a bounce. But when that goal went in, it was almost like a, a sense of disbelief. Like, no, we've not actually won this game right now. There's no chance. Two seconds later, everyone's gone down the stairs. There's folk flying left, right, centre. About chin my old man. About chin the old boy behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Many lives could have possibly been lost when that goal went in, but it was mental. What can you say? And after the game... Lap of honour, yes, sir, I can boogie. It was the loudest I've heard, but it was ridiculously good. And um, I kind of wish I could go back and do it all over again, but sadly, when I sat here talking about it, instead of being there, but first time I've been at hand for a sellout Scotland game, and hopefully it's not mm. the last. It was incredible. And that's what you want to see. I mean, you want to see the support build for the team going forward. I mean, the fact that it was a sellout, and I was delighted to know it was a sellout in the end. I mean, I was there for the 2017 England game. I was sat at Hamden, and that atmosphere was outstanding and it was the exact same I mean yes I can boogie rocking all over the world freed from desire all at full time it was oh it just gets me that buzzing about it and just knowing that that could be the kind of outlook going forward there's something to be something to be positive about and Graham how about yourself I mean I'd imagine you'd echo kind of my own sentiments and Aaron's sentiments as well with uh, Hamden on Saturday night what's funny I was just thinking about it there is that I've been to a lot of these sellouts. I've been going for a long time. Mm. Most of the best atmosphere at Hamden I've been at are games where we've ended up conceding within the first two minutes of the game or whatever it is. I mean, I've always said that the best game for atmosphere I've been at full stop, not just Scotland, was when we played Italy in 2007 mm. with a chance to qualify for 2008. And we conceded in like the first minute of that game. We did the same against Poland in Euro 2016 qualification. Yeah. Lewandowski scored a minute and that was a great atmosphere. And then it happened again on Saturday. So maybe that's... Something Scotland players knew, but they need the fans behind them. I mean, all the best way that works is if they can see straight away. So that that's how we build a successful international campaign as as Scotland. We just need to concede it within the first five minutes, and then we'll be absolutely fine going forward. That'll see us out for the rest of the game. T- Taylor, how did it translate? I suppose. I mean, you were sat in the in, in the in your living room, your bedroom, whatever it was, and just watching the game on the telly. So how how did it come across the atmosphere inside Hamden to you? It sounded incredible. Uh, I was actually really jealous watching it on TV, but you were still able to capture the atmosphere, you know, coming through the limited audio that you sometimes get uh, from Sky. Uh, it was at one point, uh, I think it was Craig Gordon was taking a goal kick, and none of the commentators were uh, speaking, and you could just hear the atmosphere, and for the brief, you know, three or four seconds, it was incredible. 
and uh, it was definitely it looked like a definite place to be and uh, a match that you had to experience in person to probably get the full you know um, embrace of it it was a little bit muted I mean the, I mentioned yeah, it as a kind uh-huh. of joke because it Pretty much everywhere you can you can try and kill an atmosphere. The team tried to kill an atmosphere in that first half. You get you get that you get that buzz with the initial kick off. You get the fans behind you, and you can change straight away. There goes that atmosphere. But then they score. We get the equaliser. There they go. They get a bounce for that, and then we can see straight away again. And then you th- you, th- you think you've got a penalty. We'll get in at half time. We'll get a bounce in Lot Lowland, and they miss the penalty. Like three times, you had a chance to like lift the crowd and keep with it stay, keep them there, and they messed it up. And it wasn't until I didn't think it like went into like, oh this is, a, this is some atmosphere until Dyke scored the equaliser mm. in the second half. I thought that was kind of like the that was a kicking off point that went to atmosphere, like a next level atmosphere. Aye, that was the spark that set the fire mm. ablaze. To be honest, that second half goal for Dykes. We'll get to that shortly. So, I suppose one place to start, we can talk about the team because there was a bit of contention over who we actually wanted to start coming into this game. I feel like we always knew it was going to be the standard kind of. Five were wing-backs, the three in the middle and then the two up front, and it was just more a case of who plays where, especially considering Scott McTominay was coming back into this camp. Of course, he missed the last one with... uh, He was out through surgery, but he was back in for this one, and there was no Grant Hanley in defence, so it was a question of where McTominay was going to play and who was going to start at right wing-back. It was going to be one of Nathan Patterson or Stephen O'Donnell. We just didn't know which it would be. Arguments could have been said for Steve Clark wanting to rely on O'Donnell for the defensive side of things, and I was very much in that camp. I think I would have preferred O'Donnell on the night, but I wouldn't have been bothered to see Patterson play. And we'll just run through the starting team as it was. It was Craig Gordon, McTominay right centre-back, Jack Hendry in the middle replacing uh, Grant Hanley, where he would usually be Keenan Tierney on the left centre-back. Patterson and Robertson wing-backs right and left. Uh, John McGinn, Cal McGregor and Billy Gilmer in midfield and then Dykes and Adams starting up front. Graham, I'll come to yourself first. I mean, what was your initial reaction to that team? Was that kind of what, something you were wanting? Were there any kind of glaring weaknesses that you could identify or was it just a fairly competent team put out by Steve Clark? I thought it was very bold of a team of Steve Clark to play. I, my instinct was that it would be that, that uh, there was two positions up for grabs. There was the centre-back position and there was the right wing-back, as you said. I thought that it was kind of like in groups. If you're going to play McTominay, who's a, he's not an actual centre back, you can go forward more. You would play O'Donnell, who is more defensive. Mm-hmm. If he wanted, if he didn't want to put McTominay at centre back because there was no Hanley, he would put Cooper in and then he would play Patterson. That's what I thought he would do. But obviously, he put he went full attack and went with McTominay and Patterson, and I was happy with it. I was content with that being the players you went with because I'm always wanting the Scotland team to attack more. Yeah, I suppose there's something to be said about that. Uh... Taylor, the fact that he did go with this kind of attacking mindset, because as we've seen a lot with Steve Clark so far at Scotland, he likes to play very conservatively. He likes to kind of pack the uh, bodies behind the ball, make sure they're not really giving too much of an inch, and then attacking outlets can often be stifled as a result. So, is this a positive sign that Steve Clark's looking at such an important game, such a must-win game, to make sure that we can secure second place in this group, and he's going for? an attacking outlook on both sides of the pitch. Of course, you're going to have that natural attacking play down the left with Tierney and Robertson overlapping, but having both Patterson and McTominay who are competent going forward, it was a, a positive sign, especially kind of for the progression of this team. Yeah, it was, it was a side to Steve Clark that um majority of us probably have never seen. Like The outside noise around Steve Clark is he's a very defensive manager. He doesn't, you know, have a leg when attacking. He, he'd rather, you know... Uh, take a draw than you know risk losing all, uh, the game and all that so he basically just not attacking very much and uh, 
it's probably people such as like Sean, who's a part of the pod, uh, Edge of Sport as well. He he did say that Steve Clark can attack when he wants to, and like I've always doubted. That. I was like, yeah, no, I don't think he'd ever do that. I don't think he's got you know the ability to put a full on attack team out. He's not that kind of manager. But mm. as you said, it and as Graham said, it took me by surprise. I generally thought if he was playing Parson, that it'd probably be like Cooper. It'd be in the back or. If, you know, McTominay was playing, I did, you know, concern myself that uh, O'Donnell would be playing. I wasn't fussed if O'Donnell or Parson were played because both of them would have done a, a tremendous job and, you know, had no qualms about uh, what was happening. But as soon as, you know, that team came out, out to it, I went, he's going for this. And maybe, you know, is what he needed to do. After playing, you know, Israel for now, what, the seventh time in three years or eighth time, I can't can't remember anyway we've got to know each other pretty well you have to you have to you have to do something different and maybe even that translates into the fact that Parson played because I think Gordon Parson might have been the only people that have not played Israel yet so Israel don't know much about them yeah Gordon's a goalkeeper so he's not going to be attacked much but Parson was an <laughs> understatement un- of the century yeah. <laughs> but Parson was an unknown quantity Israel and that was quite a good move in sense of Steve Clark. He knew that he's a young player who wanted who wanted to be, you know, in the team who want who wants to prove himself to be Scotland's established right wing back or right back. And playing him over O'Donnell just gave, you know, Scotland that more attack edge I'd feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, you can you look at the score and it came to a detriment the fact we kept going two goals down and we didn't lead the game till the ninety fourth minute or ninety third minute, but if we didn't have the attacking players in, I generally felt like the crowd would have been on the back of the team straight away if Aye. we still conceded. So, I, I know it sounds stupid to say, but playing fan favourite players can help the team get behind it. Can help the fans get behind the team, even if nothing's going right. And I feel like that's what Steve Clark did, and it's paid off. Well, it certainly did pay off in the end. Uh, Aaron, how about yourself? I mean, when you saw this team come out, I mean, were you encouraged by the attacking kind of mindset we were going with? Or when you look at the Israel front line, you've got Aaron Zahavi, who's got a goal every two games, more or less, for Israel. You've got Manor Solomon on the left-hand side, who's caused us real problems before. And Munas Dabur, of course, he went on to score in the game. So was there just that potential sense of uh, hesitation or a bit of anxiousness, the fact that we could be a bit culpable at the back, considering we were kind of going for it going forward? I'm not sure. Like when I saw the team, I did feel fairly confident. The big call I, f- I felt, as has been mentioned, with the right back position, I wanted Patterson to start because I saw Donald play for Motherwell against Hearts, and he was hopeless. <laughs> like honestly, I've never seen a right back have that bad a game in quite some time. I looked at that thinking, "There's no chance you start if you start a mocking it at Hamden." <laughs> so like, I thought Patterson was the obvious choice because he's got more attacking impetus. Yes, of course, he's not the best defensively. Oh well, he's. Not as good as a Donald defensively, but mm-hmm. it's a must-win game. You've got to go for it. Steve Clark, as defensive as he is, still would want to go for Israel because you can't just win games by sitting back and not having shots on goal. So, of course, he wants the team to get forward, and I feel that Patterson did help drive the team forward. Like For example, the, the late chance that McGinn missed just before the winner, obviously, mm-hmm. Patterson was driving... He was like basically in the box, like, and he's the right-back. He's proper getting forward and really making things happen. So I was encouraged by his display, and I was getting... Slated rotten off Motherwell fans for suggesting or even daring to think that Patterson should play over the more experienced O'Donnell, but I feel like my choice was vindicated by his performance. Yes, shaky start, I can't lie, but he grew into it a lot more, and I feel like that game will show that game shows why he should be Scotland's first choice right back for now. 
I know you definitely make a good point. I, I was going to touch on that, the fact that kind of, throughout the first half, I thought Patterson really wasn't up to it. I feel like he, he was kind of making some wrong decisions. He was choosing to kind of cut inside. He could have bombed in the wing. And he was kind of getting... He was losing the ball quite easily, but then came out second half. He was probably one of our most important players. I mean, you think of it like uh, the attack kind of switched from flank to flank and you, you got a lot more out of Patterson in that second half. And he wasn't the only one, of course. I feel like... Billy Gilmer kind of played below his usual standard in the first half and there were a couple of others but I think that second half it was really a switch flicked and it just seemed to click a lot better Graham Those two go together as well I thought I mean, look at the way we set up we'd set up in a 3-5-2 and we have drama again on the right hand right centre midfield position Like that is how the basic set up for Scotland is but McGinn doesn't play them McGinn if we're, when Scotland at their best McGinn's further forward almost as a 10 Aye is it aye what, happen, what I thought felt happened was that when you did it you're not accommodating for the fact McGinn's leaving position. So when he gives it out to Patterson, Gilmore's still playing the central role. He's too far away. And it is also very deep. So there's really no option for Patterson. So a lot of time, he was poor in the first half. And it wasn't all... I'm not trying to defend... It's not all... None of it's his fault. He looked very nervous. I thought I thought he really struggled in the first half. But part of it was the fact that he really got no support. He got no support against Moldova last month either. And part of that was is Gilmore. Gilmore was playing too deep in the first half. This is something Neil McCann noticed on the sports scene. Gilmore was playing almost like he was playing along with the centre backs, which kind of is pointless in a three-five-two. If you're going to play three-five-two, you you need one of those or at least two or one or two of those guys to be ball-playing guys. And Gilmore should be further up the pitch. So what they did in the second half that I thought improved both Gilmore and Patterson was Gilmore moved further, as Neil McCann noted, but also he moved a bit further right mm. to accommodate Patterson and. Gilmore and Patterson are friends. They grew up together in Rangers. I, th- I think they have. A, I think they have a, an established connection between each other and improved both of their games and McTominay as well in the second half. Aye, I feel. I feel. I completely agree. I think McTominay as well was the one player that I didn't name, but I feel like he was massively more confident second half uh, certainly compared to the first. And of course, you know, right place at the right time to net the winner. Uh, but it didn't start as it finished, of course. Uh, Within five minutes of the game, uh, any atmosphere that had been built up pre-match and that we were going into the game with and that we were kind of looking to build on. I mean, you think Che Adams had a, had an effort just inside the first minute that, I mean, it was a fairly tame effort and Ofer Marciano could hold it comfortably. But then Jack Hendry gives away a bit of a bit of a silly free kick, just maybe 20 uh, yards from goal. Aaron Zahavi steps up and just blasts it past Craig Gordon to give Israel the 1-0 lead and... It was almost like a vacuum in St. Hadden. Every, every kind of sense of happiness, optimism just gets sucked out of the place and it was just a bit of, ah, shit, here we go again. Just It's, it's going to be a tough slog for the next 85 minutes, but I, I, I don't know. I feel... I, 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 Taylor, I don't know how you feel, but like I feel it could have potentially been a bit hard to just kind of come back straight away and it did kind of take a bit for Scotland to get themselves going again once that goal was conceded. Yeah, and when that free kick went in, I thought, ah, here we go. Israel, Steve Clark, Scotland, it's not going to happen. And all, as you said, any atmosphere that was built up was immediately drained. And I think everybody had the same thought as, like, is this going to be the same story that we've seen where we just struggle? You know, Israel are in that position where we're always made out to be favourites, but we know exactly what Israel can do with the players that they have. And... As it was always going to come, uh, be hard to come back, and I have to say the credit to the players. They, you know, took a wee bit to get going after that, but to, uh, to even you know bounce back from that such an early you know disappointment from that was pretty impressive. And 
it was all credit to McGinn. No, uh, that was outrageous for him with that left foot. Mm. And what a beautiful man! What a beautiful man! I just oh. I, I don't just, know if it was. I don't know if it was just me. I. I didn't feel like here we go. Oh, here we go again. And so Harry's like, oh, I was pretty positive. Positive yep. though. I thought we'd get, I'm, I'm used to this going. I was pretty positive we'd get back in that game. I'm. I'm not entirely sure. It might have just been the fact that it was four minutes in, but. I think we. I, th- I thought. I remember looking at Israel's back line and they had a few centre backs missing. Thought we will get chances in this game. Mm-hmm. We have good players and we're set up to to score to score a goal in this game. So I wasn't feeling as bad as I think a lot of people were after that goal. I don't know if any of you were feeling similar. Killer obviously wasn't. I don't know. I, I suppose it's just that kind of instant just sucker punch when everything's kind of seemingly going well and there's a bit of belief and a bit of motivation. It just kind of seemed to just not the wind at our sails completely and I was just worried that it, we wouldn't be able to pick it up the same way. Obviously, there was so much time left, so I did have that kind of renewed, like, not even a renewed sense of optimism, but just that kind of hope that, you know what, it's still, it's still early days, like, we could potentially still get something, but there was doubt, certainly, as to uh, whether we could come back as effectively as we would want to. But, of course, Taylor mentioned them there. Uh, John McGinn was the man that kind of sparked that comeback. Of course, Andy Robertson doing some really good work down the left-hand side, named man of the match in the game. Uh, started the move, passed it infield, and then followed the ball in, uh, took it back, played them again just just inside the box, and then stops it and curls a perfect effort into the top left-hand corner, wheels away, puts his specs to his eyes, and sends, Scott, sends Hamden into absolute raptures. I mean, Aaron, I'd imagine as a Hearts man, you're not exactly going to be the first in the line to uh, praise a former <laughs> high babe, but uh, you just kind of have to take your hat off to a strike like that. Aye, like obviously it's a funny one because I grew up despising John McGinn. I, I can't deny that. He made my life hell whenever he played against us. He's like a <laughs> big fat arse and generally being a nuisance. But whenever I play a place for Scotland, you've got to back them. And now that he's away from Hibs and he's away at Aston Villa, strutting his stuff in the Premier League, I can almost see it more guilt-free that aye, he's, a, he's, a, he's a cracking player. Mm. Like, I, I can't deny it. Like, I find it funny how much I like him now. Like as a guy, he's a very likable guy these days. Whether it's in the media and like, he's just like a, he just seems like a genuine good egg, or good meatball anyway. But <laughs> it's just like I find it funny how much I like actually like him now compared to like my early years at high school when like I wanted nothing more than him to like never play against Hearts ever again because he annoyed me so much and. It's funny how things work out, but look, he's a cracking player and there was some strike. Like, I'm not going to celebrate a goal any less because of who scores it. McGinn sticks it in the top banjo, I'm gone mental. It's just, it was some strike, you, you can't deny it. it. was a brilliant goal, he's a brilliant player as well. It was just one of them. Like As soon as I saw him pick it up and it, he wrapped his foot around it, I was up on my feet. I was I was jumping celebrating already because it hadn't even hit the back of the net, but I just had a feeling, I just knew that that was going to fire into the top corner. And I turned around at one point and there was a boy genuinely wedged between the two rows of seats he just he completely kept me folded in half and he just stuck behind our row of seats and just couldn't get back out so that was a bit of a chore to haul him back on his feet which just goes through what a goal can do just you absolutely lose your head and you end up stuck behind an entirely different row of seats but wouldn't have it any other way but then (laughs) as it did at the very start of the match that kind of renewed belief we were buzzing we were, everybody was absolutely jumping screaming uh, all celebrating John McGinn and the fact that Scotland got the back level and we were looking to build on that then Munistabar just gets a bit of a bit of a lucky lucky break I suppose you could call it but the defending for the set piece Graham it wasn't exactly fantastic I mean you kind of look the ball got floated deep there were kind of 
five Israel players attacking it and two Scotland players over on that side looking to defend it and it just didn't really go to plan from bringing someone in in Austin McPhee to try and get better at these set pieces I mean it didn't conceding from two isn't exactly a glowing uh, commendation of, of his influence I suppose no it was both goals were quite similar in the sense that it was just a number of mistakes compounded on each other we didn't mention it but in the first goal Robbo isn't in line with Tierney like Sahavian Patterson fails to clear his lines, he loses it, and then Henry goes away the fill free kick goal. In the second one, it's a needless fill away, given away from McTominay. It's a ball floated in that Lyndon Dykes plays two men on offside, and I guess it's less of an issue because it's, you wouldn't expect Dykes to play him offside, but the Scotland players don't follow the runner, and there's two players to line up to knock the ball in the back of the net. It's, it's funny though, because they'd get a bit lucky, Israel. I mean, if they got the shot that Gordon saved is actually off uh, the boys, Israel boy's hand. Aye, if, Gordon, uh-huh. if Gordon just hadn't saved it and got in, the goal's disallowed. But because he actually, he's accidentally not scored and it's got the rebound, it counts. Which is a bit... It's a bit it's unlucky, but at the same time, Scotland Scotland kind of made their own luck with that one with poor defending. Yeah, I, I, I was going to bring it up. It was a bit of an odd one scene because I didn't see it straight away. I was, I was still kind of... I turned round and I saw Gordon tipping it away and then... Uh, Dabber putting it in so I didn't even see the build up to be honest and uh, until I watched it back later the next day so it was a case of I you're, you're absolutely right if it had gone in off the boy's hand would have, wouldn't have counted but Gordon just instinctively as a, any good goalkeeper would just uh, flew in to stop the shot from creeping over the line depend, regardless of where it hit in the boy's body and obviously ended up conceding from it which fair enough I suppose uh, from his perspective he didn't know where it came off so just instinctively going down to stop the shot. Uh, again, it was just kind of that vacuum. I mean, just as soon as we're on that back on that high, Israel just grab us and pull us back down to earth and give us such a such more work to do. And Taylor, we thought we had the perfect chance to kind of get back to that level, get go in with that renewed sense of optimism once again uh, at the break when Billy Gilmore was brought down just inside the area. Uh, there was a bit of debate kind of where I was sat that it was oh, it was on the line it might be a free kick they might haul it back but VR was in, in effect as we'll get on to just shortly and they would have hauled it back anyway if it was a free kick but penalty upsets London Dykes straight down the middle and saved by Marciano's feet I mean again it's building up expectation and then just falling flat uh, and we really were unlucky because penalties are a lottery but considering he went down the middle you can't really you, can kind of point the finger a little bit at Dykes for missing that one. It's just typical Scotland, right? When, you know, you have an easy chance to, you know, get yourself back in a game. They're just like, nah, mate, not today. They're just, they're not having it. But, see, I, I feel the opposite um, when it comes to that. Dykes, yes, um, his penalty wasn't the greatest. However, you're always told that when it comes to a penalty, if you're unsure, smash it as hard as you can down the middle because... Majority of the time, maybe keepers will pick a way to dive because they don't want to, you know, just stand there as it goes in. See, it just rolls in that corner. So I can. You seen Dykes do it against? Was it, I think it was Austria. I done badly. Yeah. A little bit lucky, but you seen the fact is he just put power through it like Jamie Vardy style, and no matter what the keeper got on it, it still went under him and still went in. So he's obviously went for the same technique, and I think Martin just you know thought. He's probably been looking at, you know, uh, Dykes, he's run up, he's probably been looking at stuff and, you know, doing his homework about his last penalty. And he's just, you know, stayed down the middle. It's a gamble that Marciano's took, 
and it's just not paid off. Uh, now Dykes, I'm not going to lie, he does look like the dick. <laughs> just, you know, uh, not picking a corner. But I don't blame him completely for that because, you know, he's just done what MDL should have done. Just smash it as hard as you can. Just get it on target. He's just very unfortunate and it probably is to, you know, his fortune as well that we managed to win that game because if we didn't get back in that game later on through, well, as we'll get on to, through him, maybe we'll be sitting saying, should he have picked a corner? Should mm. he just, you know, not be doing that? And obviously the talk this morning is that Steve Clark has now relieved him of penalty duties, which me personally, I don't agree. Uh, missing one penalty and get took off them is not the way to go. You need consistency, you need to back somebody. So, yeah, um, I can see why people blame him, but I mean, I'm I'm with him in this, and I just feel like it was unfortunate. And Aaron, you go in at half time. You've just missed a penalty that would have leveled the tie uh, going out the break. I mean, initial feeling you're just frustrated for having missed a few chances throughout the first half that could have put you, put you in a much more comfortable position. Frustrated for some slack defending that allowed two really preventable goals as well. So there's not really immediate positivity but I can you, you let it gel you let it uh, settle over the over the course of a 15 minute break and you might be looking ahead at the next 45 and just thinking we can still get something out of this game I still felt Scotland could have came back and got a result even at half time 2-1 down standing choking on the fumes in the, the toilet I'm thinking right come on I've got to <laughs> got to get something right here something's got to give like this lot are here for the taking and obviously Dykes with his kung fu kick finish made sure that we, we got something Pretty early on in that second half, I'd mm. say, but at half time, you're thinking, right, I don't know, I don't know how to feel because on the one hand, I'm still raging at Dykes before a god awful penalty, but at the same time, I'm thinking it's still a half to go to game of two halves. We've got a fifty thousand strong crowd back in the team. If Clark gets his half time team talk right, then who knows what's possible? And obviously, once Lock Loman comes on, everyone kind of forgets about um, the, the penalty, the penalty that got saved, and really gets behind the team again. I feel like. In past years under previous regimes with Scotland teams, the, the fans would have still stayed flat and just not bothered mm. really to truly get behind the team in a situation like this. But this team right now is something special. Like they've, they've got a, a never-say-die attitude in situations like this. It's very um, viable, shut up, admirable. And fair play to Clark for really instilling that belief in his players that even when you suffer setbacks, you can really go for it and it paid off big time in the second half. One, a couple of final notes in the first half. I'd like to get your guys' opinion on it. It was a very disjointed performance, and I thought a large part of that was how bizarre that we handled set pieces was. Yes. I thought, oh, I, oh I, my God. Dykes on throw-ins? Why? Uh, you had Dykes on throw-ins. Who's, uh, who's, who's Dykes meant to be throwing it to? Is he meant to like, chase his own throw and hit it himself? Dykes on throw-ins, McTominay on corners. Yeah, like. Tierney on throw-ins. And more than anything, rather than try and play football, which we know we can, but we have good football players, we're not, we weren't a particularly tall team on Saturday. We had Dykes... We had McTominay, we had Henry, but none of them are, except for our dykes, none of them are known for heading prowess. Aye. And we decided that set pieces were going to be our focus. It's almost like we, put, we got Austin McPhee in, he's our set piece coach, we better use his stuff. We needed to just like calm down and play football, get it on the ground, spray some passes. I wonder if the condition, I did think maybe the condition played a part, or the Israel like lack of main first team defenders maybe it played a part. But regardless of that, that shouldn't have been the strategy. That I thought that was a large area, a large part of why we're so disjointed and poor in the first half. 
You know, I completely agree. It was me. I got talking to the guys next to me, and they were saying the exact same. You've got somebody like Dykes, who he's a bit of a bullish all action forward, and he can do well, very well with his head. I mean, the boys in the the terrace and Friday were talking about his kind of pre-assist when he was on the ground for uh, for QPR, and did his wee header on the ground. And uh, so he he's clearly knows what he <laughs> what he can do with his head. So I don't understand why he was the one taking the throw-ins, why McTominay was taking corners. It just made no sense to me, and. I suppose I was I was really curious as to why Billy Gummer didn't take one corner throughout the night, which I don't know. I, I thought he was fairly consistent with his deliveries against Moldova when I when I was uh, kind of watching him a few. He took some in the second half. I, I did he? I, th- I thought yeah, it was, well, I thought it was more McGinn second half. No? I remember clapping. I remember he took a lot of interviews in the second half because I remember clapping him over when he got a corner on that side. Where else? That's where I was sitting. Mm, fair enough. So it took a few, but it, they changed. They did change. They changed them again in the second half, and well, it obviously worked. <laughs> it obviously worked it in the end. But uh, we'll get to the kung fu kick finish as Aaron called it uh, just now. Of course, a really good ball in from Andy Robertson again, getting the second assist of the game, and then Dykes with some really good kind of movement, peeling off the back of the defender to get back round and get the touch on it to fire it past Marciano. Initially ruled out uh, for a foul, and both Robertson and Dykes get booked. Uh, Robinson more for the, the descent side of things and then Dykes for apparently kicking the boy in the head. But even watching it, there's not a chance in the hell that was a foul. I mean, obviously VAR, which is a bit of a talking point in Scottish football at the moment. Of course, it was just the day before that the Premiership Clubs held a meeting uh, with the uh, SFA and SPFL over the introduction of VAR in all top flight uh, men's football matches in Scotland and the later stages of the cup competitions, it's a very divisive subject. But then you see it award Scotland a goal, and and I must win must win qualifying game the next day after the meeting. So potentially stands to have swayed a few people's persuasions on on their stance on introducing VAR. I mean, I don't necessarily know if I still agree with it for league football, but I mean, give it the international boys. I'm not I'm not massively massively fussed at that point. I don't know. I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I really don't want it in the Premiership. But last night I'm thinking, I've always loved VAR, not last night, I've always loved VAR, what are you on about? Never <laughs> said anything bad about it. Nah, not once, nah, there's never been one instance of VR that's ever been wrong. Just all, all, always, always played to Scotland's strengths, absolutely. I've turned the corner on it. I guess the hang-up with getting in Scottish football is it's not like a yes or no system, it's manned by people, and the people in charge of Scottish football are probably the issue. But that six points we've picked up, there may, be, there may have been one... If not for VAR, I mean, we got the penalty in Austria as well through VAR. I, I remember that. Right. Yeah. So that's six, that's six points and puts us in pole position for a playoff spot that we wouldn't have got without VAR. So, I've I've slowly been turning the corner. Not and obviously it's nice that it's your team that gets it, but just in general, I think it's it started to show its benefits this year for the most part. I've always truly believed that. Um when I'm, I'm not saying if when VR does come to uh, VAR comes to Scotland, that uh, give it two months and apparently VAR will have an agenda in Scottish football. So um, it's just got to cause absolute bedlam within you know. Is that the Rangers fan talking about agendas in Scottish football again? Colour me shocked. <laughs> no, all I'm saying is, like, you know, you can see the argument already, you know. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 gonna, it's just going to create so many unnecessary arguments. Yeah, it's funny. At this point, it's an absolute fire pit, uh, Scottish football is, when it comes to, you know, 
uh, league titles when it comes to, you know, just Scottish football in general. And it's basically you're just going like this with petrol. Yep, just adding some more. Let's go. Come on. I prefer not to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. Big, big so, trouble. Yeah, like, um, I'm, I'm all for VAR. I feel like VAR is a good concept and it should work. And I'm getting more and more impressed with how it's getting implemented, especially in international football and um, abroad. And to some extent, England are starting to slowly get their act together, but very slowly. As Graham alluded to, it's the officials up here that I really don't have the faith in to man it. And Aye, that is a difference. That is a big difference. Is the fact that you would want us to kind of invest that money into our refereeing setup and just try and get some more consistent, some more full time referees. Just improve what we've got rather than just kind of try and bring something else in, which is going to create even more of a divide. Because that's paying more people to do something different and probably do it poorly. So. I think it's going to take it's going to take a long time before we can actually get a competent version of VAR in Scotland. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about London Dykes getting a goal, and to be honest, I think he deserved it in this match. I think he definitely deserved the goal. And unfortunately, not to get it from the penalty spot, I suppose whether the blame falls on him, that's kind of eats their own opinion on that. But I thought he led the line really well. I thought he was kind of chasing down these long balls and battling well as he tends to do. Uh, Taylor, I don't know what you. I think you and I share a similar appreciation for Big Lyndon Dykes up front. So, what you can kind of speak on his contributions in this match. Lyndon Dykes is my favourite Aussie Scott as ever. How many? How many do you know? Um, funny enough, I only know one, <laughs> but he's my number one. That's what he is. So, no matter how you get there, he's my number one. Cheers, Martin Boyle's cry. <laughs> but uh, don't mention that name, my friend. <laughs> Uh, Dive! London. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, agendas. What has it gone to agendas? Jesus Christ! That's for uh, Colin said. It's not an agenda. Cheers, Stuart Garfield is now crying. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um. What was oh yeah. So London Dykes. Um. He done a miracle. I feel like he had an absolute stink of the first half, and what he did in that second half, in my eyes anyway was miraculous. He put in arguably his best performance in a Scotland shirt, I feel. He just turned his game his game on a you know I, I don't even watch today. He turned his game. He just turned it. <laughs> like he just came out, he was a man possessed, he was charging down all the balls, as you said, like the long balls. He was just mm-hmm. getting into good positions and he could have actually walked off the pitch with a hat trick and it was just incredible and I feel his determination is what you know, gave most Scotland fans the belief that we could actually end up going and get something from this. And yeah. that goal that he scored was, was in, I just have, feel like his movement before it was incredible. And if I got chopped off, by the way, the phrase the game's done has been used a lot, but the game would have well surely been absolutely knackered if that is. Because the guy's head was literally below London Dyke's knee, and yet the referee's like, nah, mate, it's a high but You've kicked him in the head. And oh, it was just... I'm actually in awe just thinking about when I look back and, and I was watching back highlights of it, just that second half performance of him, I don't know how the rest of you feel, but I felt like that was his best performance of Scotland shot that second half, and I think it was a miraculous recovery considering that even Aaron was saying that he was wanting him off. He was tweeting him, telling him to get off the pitch. No comment. The thing about Dykes is, for me, is I don't think you really can appreciate what he does until you see it in person. You, I think you kind of think of him as a stereotypical big forward, mm-hmm. lump it up to him, bring it down, try and pass it up. And then he, cause that's it, it's Rob. 
the amount of work he gets through off the ball is so important to Scotland. He ran for 90 minutes. I actually think his fitness might have gotten better in the last year at QPR. It but seems like he can like maintain when, it as much when, more. When, yeah. when, when he came out the team last year, we were all kind of excited for what he, he could provide. It's, you know, Scotland finally got a, a striker. But he'd have to come off after 70 minutes because he put in the same shift. Yep. But... Uh, he couldn't do it for 90 minutes but yeah like he still seemed like he had some stuff left in the tank on Saturday I guess thought he's work and he's working it needs to be appreciated more I think that it's more apparent when you watch him in person I thought that I first saw that against Croatia when he got slated and thought he did well and he's going to miss chances he plays for, if he didn't if he scored the match turn the chances that he has he wouldn't be playing for QPR and he is so mm. that's where his fault is but at this level for Scotland I think it's probably just, it's just important that he got somebody that works as hard and can be as good a target man as he he can he can be for us. Uh, talking about levels, like Graham just said, um, everybody knows like coming into you know the Euros, coming into the campaign when London Knights wasn't in the best form, they were all you know common for Lee Griffiths. Oh, here he goes. Form. Here we go. You know, I, exactly I was wondering when it was coming up. Because, you know what Lee Griffiths can provide? Like you know what he's done? Like. He's, he's an absolute sensation. He's one of Scottish, uh, Scotland's natural goal scorers. He's probably the most prolific for that. I saw um, some stat. I'm pretty sure Dykes has already scored more goals for Scotland than Griffiths. Drive by. Drive by Taylor's point. That, 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 that Taylor, was unbelievable. Happened. Taylor mentioned that earlier and said, I could use that for the podcast. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> oh, yes! It's a drive by shooting that one. That... Oh, that is a Fabrizio <laughs> Romano <laughs> level tap, and that is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to tweet now. Here we go. <laughs> I should put him in a half. He's not speaking for the rest of the That's episode. He's, he's done in. He's done in. Confirmed. He, he's my god. He's no safe. I can't, I can't, I can't believe <laughs> that. has been a murder. But uh, after what Aaron said, <laughs> my, that is my point. Uh, what I was on about. Like, in 19 appearances, London Dyke has now got five goals. And yes, you know the heroics from Lee, Gr- Lee Griffiths from against England with really, the two magnificent free kicks. He's still, he's only scored four goals in 22 appearances. And the goals have came against England, Malta and Slovenia. But when you look at the, you know, the games that London Dykes has got his goals in, they might have, he might have no scored goals against England, but he's scored against Czech Republic, Slovakia, uh, Moldova, that's probably what he's lost, uh, Minnow won there. But then high-pressure games such as Austria and then Israel, uh, the other night so he scored when it matters so I would argue that in a Scotland shirt anyway probably even in the last couple of years as well that London Knights is a more prolific goal scorer than Lee Griffiths and folk clamoring for him to get back in the Scotland setup, I feel like they're just living off a past glories and that London Knights is the striker that Scotland need and he could be the striker you know that you know makes us go to Qatar you know can make us win the World Cup can make us win the Euros we're going to do a treble. I don't know, but London Dykes is the man. That is my point. There's a delusion we know you for, Taylor. That's absolutely fantastic, mate. Uh, talking about scoring when it matters, uh, let's talk about that final goal. Oh, um, mummy, daddy. <laughs> well, that, this is what this is meat and potatoes of this podcast, boys. This is what everybody's listening for. So, just McGinn Corner in the 94th, delivered. Jack Hendry flicks it on, and I went mental at that because me and my mate had said to each other, at literally kick off, could see a Jack Hendry winner the night. So I was already off my feet. Then McTominay thighs it into the roof of the net, and pandemonium ensues. I want to know, I want just initial reactions and just what was happening about you. Just 
I'll start with Graham. I'll, st- I'll go Aaron next because he was in the stadium as well. And I'll just go to Taylor to round it off. So, Graham, just initial reaction from you and the people around you. You just get fucking superhuman strength, don't you? <laughs> like, I picked my dad up and could have given an F5 for how I was feeling that goal. And honestly, it was, it was mental. Like, it was, it was unreal. My, like my dad broke his sporing chain and, he's, <laughs> and like he was bouncing around his ears. It's just the actual adrenaline hit when that goal goes in. Man. It's just, there's no feeling like it than the last minute winning in football, honestly. It's just the best feeling in the world. I had panic when I looked in after scoring and saw Marcel on the ground and thought, shit, did he get filled by McTominay or something? But obviously not. And it's just pandemonium, that's the word. It's just mental everywhere. Hugging anyone you can see down the rows. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. Aaron, what about yourself? I mean, Adam, I, I don't really need to ask if it was the same. I know it was the same, but just from your perspective. Uh, how do you describe it? And I don't know how you do it. It's just pff, ridiculous. I've never heard a ground go that metal in some time. Like, it was just... I'm running out of words to just describe how good it was. Grown men going flying. Some granddad next to me has got his walkers like about taking my head off. It was... Pff, <laughs> I just want to do it all over again. I said that earlier, but I do. And I think a lot of folk will have caught the Scotland bug just from that game alone. That was mm. only my second Scotland game at Hamden. First time being there sold out. I'll be back. I'll definitely be back. Aye. It was just per- it was a perfect way to end a pretty perfect night because I never realised how late on in the game it was, to be honest with you. Because when McGinn missed that chance later on, I'm thinking, oh, it's fine. Right, it'll still be a while to go. And with the additional time, yes. But even knowing we had that much to play, I still didn't know how close to the end that was mm-hmm. but ah, oh, just everything about it was incredible Hamden just went nuts fantastic scenes I think we actually do have to thank every one of the Israel players and the man of the match on the night the Israel physios for their time wasting for the, I them just chucking themselves to the ground after any slight point of contact they probably built up that six minutes of injury time that got us that goal so Cheers, lads. We'll, we'll chuck you a few pies like that one boy did at Munistabar when he scored the goal and just about Get it, um, smacked him in the smacked him in the chest. That was beautiful. Uh, Taylor, what about you, mate? Like, how did how did you take it and sat in the house? I lost my head. I literally, uh, I, I literally don't even know if I said anything. I literally don't know if I spoke. I just remember jumping about, screaming. No, no, no sense was coming out of me more than usual. Like, you know how much nonsicles I can nonsicle. I can speak. Nonsensicals, that'll be. That's it, thank go. you. Exactly. Point don't know what nonsicle is, we probably don't cover that. <laughs> this took it to a whole new level. I absolutely lost it. I was just running about in the living room, absolutely skinning my head off. <laughs> took my top off, just spurling it in the air, going, We have done it! We have done it! Heard your fella takes his shirt off at last minute winners. <laughs> I heard your bug <laughs> left before McTominay scored. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, Taylor, that's the TV man. I mean, your reaction's fine, but like, oh, talk oh, us to talk us through Alan McCoy's talk us through Alan McCoy's oh. reaction, man. Alan McCoy's, you've probably heard it when you've watched it back. National treasure. Nah, Only man. once or twice I've watched it. It's every oh, night man, when I go to bed, every morning when I wake up. You, you hear his mic. His mic's not on, but you still hear him go, "On you go, son. It's in. It's in." <laughs> then you just you just hear him. Uh, him and, oh, would you uh, listen to this, Crocker. please? <laughs> him and Ian Crocker, just you know, screaming. And then it's I was just like, I've never heard of this before. And oh, 
it's just with a hint of a partridge on Crocker. It's huge. It's like big. It's huge. It's, it's, it's massive. massive. It's massive. With, the, with, the, with the paws. <laughs> it's like an oh, I've just said that on national television. We'll go with it anyway, it, Scotland. It's, it's like it's one of those goals that happens like once every two years as a football fan, isn't it? One that you, mm. like for yeah. like two or three days after it. If you see it on your Twitter timeline, if you see it anywhere, you watch you're, wa- it. you're you watch watching it. it. Even though you, even no matter how shit it, it probably came off his cock and went in. And yet it doesn't even matter. Like just it's just the scrap it's whatever, but just watch it anytime it comes up for the reaction. See what new things you can see. And I noticed uh, the last couple of times I've watched it, I think McTominay's reaction to it is amazing. He thinks he tries to be so cool mm. and like celebrate it, go do a nice knee slide. See when he gets on his knees, look at his face. You can see how shocked he's like, Holy fucking shit, what have I just done? First goal for Scotland as well. And he looks around and sees that reaction, like, what the fuck have I just done? Like, just, like, like a sheer shock on his face. It's amazing. Mm. I, I loved that part when I looked, when I watched it on my eight millionth time. Yeah, before we came on the podcast, I said, like, two things about running through my mind as soon as I go in. And one, me absolutely losing my shit and absolutely loving Scott McTominay. And then, when that finished, one to phone Staroon and make sure he was okay. Because I generally thought that that boy wouldn't have been able to contain himself, like, yeah, I think being in the stadium, Strun Garvey was the last thing on my mind. I have to, I have to say, mate. Like, you probably listen to this. And I'm sorry, mate. Like, McTominay, I know you like him, but when I see him score and, and I'm in Hamden in that capacity, I'm not thinking of anything other than I need to just lose my mind. And there, I generally, my mate was frozen. I went with my mate and his family, and I went to grab him, and he just had his hands on his head, like he couldn't move. And I was shaking him a bit, I was shaking him a bit every day around me. I turned and saw my mate's dad, who like, I've spent a little bit of time with, so I know I'm all right. He was genuinely tearing up. Like, it was like, honestly, the way it was affecting folk inside that ground, it was generally, oh, you can't really put it into words, like how good that feeling is. Yeah. I have to say, that goal was not, even though it was put in kind of scrappily, it was not a flick at all. This is something, this is the biggest thing I noticed in the game that I take away that was like, oh, look, I know I'm smarter than all you. See those that 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 back post area, McTominay on the side that he scored from, and Tierney on the other side for the entire second half were saying, "Get this to the back post." Mm-hmm. They're weak there, and it was a constant. I mean, you think about the disallowed goal that Tierney scored. This right, so the one that Dykes hits Marciano, Marciano. That's a free kick, but it's targeted towards the back post. It was a definite tactic. I don't know if it was something from the management or it's something the players adjusted to on the pitch, but it was definitely a tactic. And yeah, although it's, it's a Henry knock-on, it's a Henry knock-on to the back post, and the awareness that if we, we can get that to the back post, there's an opportunity there for us. So it was smart play from Scotland. Yeah, you noticed that when it came to the other side where it was like, it was Gilmore taking it, or I can't mind who else took it, or McTominay, or I can't mind, but they were just aiming for like the middle of the goals, but when it was on the right hand side where it was suited from again he was constantly trying to play that back post to like McTominay to Dykes and as you said Graham, it was a thing that they did more and more second half and you could see that they were getting joy there and uh, obviously we got a disallowed goal through Kieran Tierney but that's, a, that's good adaptation from the team if that's what they noticed on the park that they could get joy for that and to, you know one last word um, Hendry what a boy what a flick on he is a centre back that's Scotland are needing. He's got to be a centre back at Scotland. I've got to rely on in the future as well. At how many's twenty six? And he's probably getting dropped for Hanley the morning. I thought he was. Sh- ah. I thought he was shite to be honest. I thought he was pretty shite to be honest with the most of the game. Well, <laughs> I, I've, I've seen better performances from Hendry in the Scotland shirt. He can to be, be honest. shite though, but it, to still come up by a weight and even you know 
I know it was a flick on that he's probably trying to go for the goal, but still to you know, get any possessions and that, it still takes some character and I don't care how bad you play, if you come up with a big moments like that by the way, it just shows that you've got some strong mentality and that's the thing that's been in the press this week, how big Henry's mentality has been, you know, going from barely getting in a, a Celtic squad, getting dropped and all that, getting told he's basically, he's a nothing player and then playing with Club Rouge, Champions League and now being a Scotland mainstay in the defence, so... I, I just I think that I think that epitomises his mentality to have a poor game and still come up with vital moments to help get the winning goal. Lovely stuff. Well, it was the winning goal. I mean, McGinn was utilising his massive arse, as Aidan alluded to earlier, just to, to yeah. get get that uh, ball in the corner and make sure we could see that out. Scenes at full time were unbelievable. Scotland doing a lap of honour as uh, yesterday, Kim Boogie was getting blasted out. And, Graeme, you picked up on it because there was a point. I, I was, me, me and my mate, before the game, he couldn't be bothered listening to the song again because he's just passed it. And I put it on a, on a Snapchat story of him just grimacing as it played in Hamden. And then he was the first up on his feet, blasting it at full volume at full time when it came back on and we could properly give it a go. It's just the way the way people get wrapped up in it, it was something special. But the performance itself, I'm not sure it was something special. I mean, second half, it was absolutely night and day compared to the compared to the first, generally some of the best of football I've seen Scotland play a lot of the in, in recent memory, but Graham, what changed in the second half? It was it was special. It was a special second half performance. It's a, I can't like go back. To, I can't find a reference point. When's the best played since when? I can't find that reference point. I can't. Like, I'm not sure what that game would be best since when that second half. And just it was an aggressiveness that we've not seen from Scotland. I mentioned they pushed Gilmore forward f- further. McGinn played on further forward. The whole team pushed up. They put a higher line. They allowed it to. If it's Zahabi's going to get it, he can give Zahabi the ball. But no one else is getting this ball, and we're going to get it off him. At times, it changed to a four, where it was Hendry and one of Robertson and Tierney were the centre backs, and mm-hmm. Patterson was wide. It was just an aggressive approach, an approach a lot of us have wanted from Steve Clarkside for a long time. We think the players are yeah. capable, especially in games against the quality of Israel, who are a better side than the world ranking, but are a side that. I think I think we all believe that we should be beaten on a pretty consistent basis if we haven't done it. That was the difference for me. I th- I noted I also noted that I thought there was two triangles on either side that worked pretty well in the second half. I think Rock Tierney Robertson and McGregor are an established point at this point. Yeah, they work really well together. Robbo was a that's Robbo's best performance for Scotland under Steve Clark since he's been captain by, by that, a yeah. long shot. He was incredible on Saturday. The fact that he's, it's not really been people aren't really bothered that he got man of the match over Gilmore because he was that good and Tierney was there as well. And McGregor was, McGregor was average, but he was there as kind of like the support option for those mm-hmm. two to flourish. And then that really did his job. And then the second half, there was no pattern triangle on the right hand side, but we got it. We got it from Gilmore moving further right, we got it from Patterson, and we got it from McTominay, who had a lot of like really great runs in the second half. Yeah, in an attacking no, sense, did. where yeah. he would get the cover from the other two, two boys, and he was allowed to maraud forward, which is something McTominay's known for. He's maraud runs. That's probably his biggest strength. So I thought they were. I thought that was well, the overall just like kind of way we played, but also those kind of triangles in the white areas were the two things that stuck out to me as being a massive improvement for us in the second half. Yeah, no, everything just seemed to come together a lot more effectively. We were enacting game plans, and we were pushing very, very hard, and that's. As you say, Graham, it's something that we've not really seen from uh, Steve Clark Scotland a lot of the time in the past. It's something we know we can do capably and it just pl- it planned out exactly the way we wanted it to and it panned out better than we ever could have imagined, especially with the, the full-time scenes. But 
the job is not over yet. That is the one thing we need to remember. We are not as as much as we are sitting safe in second just now with the uh, with four points ahead of Israel. We need to make sure we win our next two games. Those next two games are Faroe Islands away and Moldova away. I say it with 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 a bit of trepidation as to not wanting to sound overconfident or arrogant and then potentially jinxing uh, as to two one nil defeats or something like that. But these are two games that, based on the uh, the second half performance and nothing else, we should be winning comfortably. Uh, Moldova potentially a bit more of a banana skin. I mean, they gave us a bit more trouble than we would have expected in the one nil home win with London Dykes scoring early on in that one. Uh, and then, realistically, we win these two games, the game against Denmark in the final match day does not matter. We will qualify in second for a playoff place for the Qatar World Cup. We'll just touch on tomorrow night's game against the Pharaohs before we sign off for this episode of the Football Roundup. Uh, Aaron, are we expecting many changes from Steve Clark in, in this match? I mean, I know he's someone that's built on a sense of consistency in both his squads and his team selection, but could we see a little bit of change? And though we've seen Che Adams have to uh, exit the squad after picking up an injury uh, late on in the match. Gilmore was suffering from cramp. Uh, I think he ended up suffering cramp after finishing his knee slide in to celebrate with McTominay uh, for the final goal. And then, of course, we've got Grant Hanley coming back in after suspension. So could we see Steve Clark making a few changes or do we see him kind of sticking with the majority of the team that played on Saturday night? I reckon he'll keep it mostly the same. The only dilemma he'll really have, I think, is whether to throw Hanley back in, which personally... I think, well, not to disrespect them, but they are a whisper it lesser opponent than Israel, shall we say? You shut your so, mouth. <laughs> sorry, if, if we lose, blame me. But I do feel like if he wanted to maybe like rest Tierney, for example, he, he could chuck Hanley in and know that Hanley would put a shift in. He might rest Patterson, he's done a lot of running, might put O'Donnell back in personally. The only change I feel needs to be made is obviously the one that's required. Up front, with Adams always having to drop out, I can see him playing Nisbet to be honest with you, because he'll want to kind of give him a run of, a run of game time if possible. So I can see Nisbet coming in for the injured Adams, and maybe a Donald coming in for Patterson. Aside from that, I can't really see any other changes getting made unless somebody breaks their leg in training today. You know what I mean? I can't see any, any unnecessary changes being made. Graham, how about yourself? I mean, we were talking on the on the night just kind of later on. Like you can't envision many changes from Clark coming in this one tomorrow. No, the only one to guarantee with Adams, and I imagine not be Ryan Christie comes in for him. I thought he, I thought he had pretty solid when he came on, and uh, I'm not entirely convinced by Kevin this, but as a, a national striker just yet, I think there's still a ways to go with that one. Hanley will come back in. It's just a matter of who. That's really the other one. If, well, does he come in? I think if McTominay doesn't score, I think most people are probably saying McTominay, but I, I think that honestly, so I'm not sure it should change Steve Clark's mind, but I think it probably will. So does he come in for? Does he come in for McDomin? Surprise me. Does he come in for Jack Henry, who struggled a little bit in the middle? Or does he come in for McGregor and they move McTominay up? I'd quite like to see McTominay and Gilmore uh, as a two. I think that could be quite interesting. But that's really all I can see. I don't really know any other changes he would make. I guess, I guess O'Donnell, but I'm, I don't, that shouldn't happen. Yeah, Taylor, how about yourself? Just to round us off here. Uh, I can see... McTominay get moved up into the midfield and uh, Hanley coming back in. Who thought? That is not for me to decide. I don't want him to drop either one of the three of the midfielders, but obviously he has to if he's going to do that. Or McTominay does get dropped, but do you drop the guy who scored your last minute winner? Absolutely not. You 
doubt it. So, um, that's what Steve. I'd drop Hendry. Just that'd be my personal. I'd drop. I like for like. I mean, Hendry playing the central centre back role, the stopper, exactly where Han Hanley. Sorry, he's been playing. So yeah, if you're going to bring him in for anyone, probably Hendry. It could be that. Yeah, could just take Hendry straight out. I was. Uh, I was thinking as well that O'Donnell would probably come in for this because he does like using O'Donnell when Scotland are away from home. Uh, but me personally, I think he should keep Patterson in if we want to make sure we can attack and win this game. And obviously, Adams not being there. Uh, do we struggle with two up front or we're using Christie? Or does, you know, Nisbet make the surprises start? I uh, don't know, but um, my team would be basically more or less the same other than uh, Hanley coming in for Hendry, I would say, yeah. I just not, I'm just not convinced that Nisbet and Dykes, I'm not convinced they can work well together. I think Dykes probably thrives a bit better off having someone oh. like more of a more of a Christian, more of an Adams. Yeah, you, just so to, somebody could run off Dykes. Yeah, like, uh-huh. makes I, I, feel, I feel like Nisbet is a lot more kind of straightforward, like your your bog standard poacher, your bog standard kind of finisher. Like I don't, I've not seen a, an awful lot of them for Hibs, but. From what I've seen, he, he, he's good at getting goals, but he's not fantastic at much else. Whereas I think Scotland could probably benefit a lot more from having more of a creative type alongside Lyndon Dyke. So hopefully we can. I, I'd prefer to see someone like Christie or even a Ryan Fraser if he was to get a run out potentially. I'm not sure. Fantastic second name. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, we know where Aaron, where Aaron's, uh, where Aaron's camp is for for <laughs> for partner in Dyke's, but rendered out. I would like to get a score prediction from everyone for this game tomorrow night, and I just get give us at least one goal scorer who we're backing to get in amongst the goals I hit against the Faroe Islands away. I, I don't even know what it is. I saw Scotland tweeted it out, but oh, the Faroe Islands is where it is. Uh, understandably, so it is the Faroe Islands away. Is the island of the Faroes. <laughs> How many different ways can we say it? Is it Torshavn? We've played them enough time. We should know that. Is it Torshavn? It's Torshavn. Yeah. There we go. There you go. So, Graham. That Arsenal has had a fall against you, though. He scored four goals. That's terrible. You're fit right in with us. That's terrible. <laughs> I, that, that, that's <laughs> exactly the type of pattern we expect from people on this podcast. That's good. Good. Uh, it'll be a tougher game than people think. The Peter Orleans aren't as bad as they used to be. Away from home, particularly on a plastic pitch in the cold. Scotland will win 2 0, but it won't be comfortable. Uh, we'll, uh, Andy Robertson will score a goal because I love him. <laughs> I like the a reasoning. plastic part, you say. Mm-hmm. In that case, likes to score Scotland to win two nil. I to be fair, Dice is used to it. Like we, we've got that backing. Uh, Spaghetti had loyal. Fantastic, uh, Taylor. Uh, I'm. No, what? I'm. I'm all on the Tottenham Army bus. Let's go four nil. Billy Gilmore to get a goal. No, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Wait, there's gonna be one ridiculous. Steve S comes in. By the way, honestly, you won't. Here the end of it, but yeah, Bill Gilmore to get his first Scotland goal and uh, we to win four and nil. Let's go. Please tell me what you're smoking. I can't have some. You're so, you're so optimistic. High on life. <laughs> I'm high on Alan McCoy's comms to be co comms to be honest. I'm high on the mix. Hudson! Oh, listen to the noise of the place. It's a shame that uh, I don't know why. I feel like I'd like to go to the Faroe Island again. It seems like cold but fun. It's like Scotland. Aye. There you go. It just seems like I'll I'll ch- I'll chuck a two 0 Scotland Christie to get a goal. There we go. It just looks like Balamori, like the Balamori town quite a bit to be honest with you. 
<laughs> that always looks pretty picturesque. Tobermory away. I mean, maybe it's <laughs> meant to be warm. Miss Hilly, Scotland supporters club. Fairyland's like north of Shetland. Why would it be warmer? <laughs> Do you know about the weather, bro? You are the weather <laughs> boy. <laughs> to be fair, my geography is terrible, so I couldn't tell where the Fairyland's actual is in the world. Europe. Europe. Get out. <laughs> There we go. And we will be getting it because that's all we've got time for on this episode of the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for Smack listening. Bang in the middle of Iceland? Uh, in, in the middle of my Taylor. outro, Taylor, you absolute weapon. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> horrible, <sighs> horrible human being. Don't forget Shocking. to hashtag it. Shut up. <laughs> Let the guy finish. If, if, you've, if you've somehow liked what you've listened to for the past hour and a bit, make sure to subscribe to the Energy Sport Podcast feed so you get new episodes as soon as they drop in your timelines. Uh, follow us on the socials at ENRG Sport and check out the website energysport.net for all sorts of outstanding sporting content from the, br- the best and brightest of Edinburgh Napier University. Thank you very much to Graham and Taylor for joining me as always and Aaron for making his debut today. Pleasure to have the three of you join me for the last hour or so. I say it every week, and I hope it might come through this week. But Extra Time should be back this week if Sean and Cameron actually decide they want to contribute to this website every now and then. That would be fantastic. But we can't hold out much hope at this rate. Graham, big, Graham's big shout got wasted last week and I wanted mm-hmm. to hear him make Sean cry live on air and it didn't happen. Hopefully it happens this week so I can hear it because that would be massively pleasing. Uh, until next time, I've been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup by Energy Sport. Thanks for listening. Come on to Scotland and we'll see you soon. The Faroe Islands is a self-governing archipelago part of the kingdom. Oh! And there you go. That's the outro. <laughs>